0: Welcome to the Goat Genetic Improvement webinar series. So this series is gonna take place over the next two weeks with presentations starting today and also including July 22nd, the 27th and the 29th. So Amanda Ameritangan is a DVM, is the National uh, Veterinary Program Specialist for Scrapey. She's been with Canadian Food Inspection Agency since 2009 in the Policy and Programs Branch. Uh, and she's been working primarily with uh, transmissible spongiform encephalitis uh, or TSE. Um, she's worked with chronic wasting disease as well for a number of years, and most recently has taken on the responsibility for the scrapie spile. Uh, so, outside of work, she loves to spend time outside with her two little boys and as a fitness habits coach for overloaded women. Uh, so Amanda, we're happy to have you here today. I will hand it over to you to tell us a little bit more about Scrapies and uh, goat genetics in Canada.
1: Great. Um, First of all, thank you um, to Erin and uh, Marlene for inviting me and giving me an opportunity to share a little bit uh, about uh, our National Scrape Eradication Program uh, and some of the current and future work uh, that we're doing. We really appreciate the opportunity um, to have a chance to um, interface and uh, get to do some outreach uh, like this, especially in this current environment, so I really appreciate that. Uh, I thought I'd just do a really quick uh, summary of what I'm hoping to cover today. Uh, I do um, have quite a few slides here. Um, I know Erin and Marlene uh, plan on sharing them. I will go through some of them fairly quickly, but I just wanted you um, to be able to have them. And I'm going to focus on the key points uh, and also try to leave a little bit of time for questions at the end. What I hope to accomplish uh, today is to help bring everyone to this some sort of same level of awareness um, of uh, what Scrapey is, uh, how, it causes a disease uh, in individual animals and farms, uh, how it's spread, what to look for in your herd, um, why controlling scrapie is important, a little bit of a summary of our history of growth scrapie in Canada so far, um, and then... Uh, I will shift a little bit more into talking about um, our genetics and how they tie into uh, the remaining work uh, we need to do and are currently doing um, to help uh, eradicate scrapey from Canada and goats. I'm gonna wrap up with um, some of uh, the current and future work CFI is doing uh, involving um, scrapey eradication in goats uh, and genetics, and also uh, what you can all do um, as an industry, uh, including producers, um, to help eradicate scrapie because uh, of some of the inherent challenges with this disease. Uh, we all need to work together uh, to achieve our uh, goal of scrapie eradication. So uh, with that, I will go ahead uh, and get started. So scrapey, uh is part of a family of diseases called the transmissible uh, spongiform encephalopathies. Uh, and what these diseases have uh, in common, so they you can see they impact uh, different variants uh, of the TSCs, impact uh, different species, uh, including humans. Uh, we have uh, CJD or the variant CJD. Uh, so these are diseases that affect um, primarily. Uh, what we see the most is the central nervous system um, and the main characteristics are that they have a very long um, incubation period. The end point of this um, that's not compatible li- with life uh, is that uh, we end up with a spongy brain de- degeneration and the disease is always fatal 100% of the time. So just a little bit about the agent. Uh, it's caused by a rogue uh, protein, uh, the prion, rogue version of the prion protein, uh, which accumulates in many tissues, um, as I'll talk about. Some of um, the key ones though, are our lymphoreticular system, which um, involves our immune system um, and the fluid that goes through our body, as well as our central nervous system, which is pretty important, right? Um, as far as being compatible with life. Um, and so what happens is that we have the normal prion protein, something happens uh, and it converts into this um, rogue or abnormal prion protein. The major challenges with this disease um, that involve really all of us uh, is that it has a prolonged incubation period. So we can have um, infected farms and infected animals for a number of years and not know it, um, which is why uh, testing is so important. Uh, We have this um, challenge of environmental persistence, Um, this creepy prion um, can live um, in the environment, various aspects of the environment on the farm for a number of years, Um, and the lack of immune response. So unlike uh, bacteria or a viral disease, um, we can't detect it easily in live animals um, because of this lack of um, immune response. That makes it not only difficult to detect, but also we can't treat it. Uh, This slide is just here to show you um, that Based on what we know, uh, the screepy prion uh, is widespread in almost every major tissue system um, in the body. Uh, And that makes it challenging as far as transmission and contaminating um, the environment and also also direct and direct transmission um, between animals. Uh, Having been a TSC expert at CFA for a number of years, I uh, spelt the spend the bulk of my time of my career here with chronic wasting disease. And so in the gamut of, um, TSCs uh, that for which we have, um, Programs for uh, in Canada through the government of Canada, we have BSC on one end that's limited to very select tissues, so it's not as infective. We have scrapy, um, traditionally has been in the middle, um, and then we have CWD or chronic wasting disease on the end as far as being the most um, infective and spreading as easily. What we've recently found out in recent years is. Um, you know, we have um, more wide spread tissue distribution um, and it trans- scrupy transmits more easily um, than we had thought. So it's actually closer um, on the spectrum uh, now to CWD um, than BSC than we had previously thought. Uh, so as far as transmission, how is this transmitted um, to uh, the individual animal or in between? Uh, between animals. Main um, method of infection is through ingestion. So um, they're taking it uh, in primarily orally. Uh, and the two key uh, avenues are around the time of lambing and kidding. So prions are excreted in the placenta and vaginal discharges. So any animal um, that has access to a lambing and kidding, um, lambing or kidding environment um, can ingest the prions and become infected um neonates are particularly uh, susceptible as they are to many things uh and then the other piece um that um, has come more to the forefront with scrapey um in recent years is that prions um we know because they impact more tissues than we had previously uh, been aware of. Um, they are secreted or excreted uh, contaminating um, the premises. So that means um, they, when I say secreted or excreted, that means, you know, any fluid um, that's, that exits um, the body. So the really common ones are milk, feces, and urine. So we can have things like contaminated pastures, barns, and you know, obviously there's the lambing and kidding areas. Um, and the challenge we have with our current science is that we don't have the ability to detect scrapie in the environment, nor do we have the ability to treat a contaminated um, environment. I mean, we do as far as clean, cleaning and disinfection, um, but there's no 100% um, solution because, you know, of course, um, far, farms are large, expansive areas. Uh, And so we have had uh, reports of very long periods of environmental persistence. So that can be a big challenge, um, especially if we may have an infected farm or infected animals and we don't know it. Uh, I'm not going to go through um, all of these clinical signs, but the thing I will bring your attention to um, that can impact you uh, as a producer is that um, The disease can have an incubation period of up to two to five years. And so, having this prolonged um, incubation period is a challenge because we can have animals that don't present clinically. You know, they can be harboring the disease, they can even be shedding it in the environment, they can be transmitting it to other animals, and we don't know. Um, The clinical course, so when we see signs in the animal clinically, is fairly short one to six months. So, by that point, um, you know, we could have significant spread of disease um, already uh, in um, you know as far as um, overall herd mortality for the creepy flock certification program uh, we consider a two to three percent to be you know in average. Uh, one of um, the things we can look for as far as clues, um, because we don't have a lot of um, options uh, as far as scrapey testing in live animal to see if an individual animal is positive for scrapey, uh, is to look at herd mortality. So in our past experience with positive herds, we've seen so a slightly increased um, herd mortality, anywhere from three to five percent all the way up to 20 percent in highly infected herds and of course this is a can be a very costly um, uh, disease to have so what can this look like you know we see all these lists uh, of clinical signs and the challenge because it has a long incubation period and can affect so many tissues uh, is that um, there isn't you know a very always a very very specific set of signs, and we can see that animal has creepy for sure. And so what we often see, you know, in Europe, um, there have been reports of or sort of that classical itchy itchiness that's associated with the name Scrapey. But in North America, what we've seen more often, what we've learned is we see just sort of more poor doers. Um, so poor doing animals, um, wasting. And as many of you know, that can, that's not specific to Scrape. Um, and neurological and encephalic signs are common. Um, so uh, again, we can see neurological signs, but it can be a wide range of how it can present. So basically, scrapies should be considered as a possible diagnosis in any animal um, with any neurological signs or any sort of poor doer um, or wasting uh, conditions. Um, so I wanted to bring that to your attention because you know when you read, you look in the textbooks or you see um, you know information out there, you might think there's sort of this very clear picture. Um, and I just wanted to highlight that there often isn't. It's often um, very subtle, and that's where um, testing uh, animals that die, mature animals that die, or are slaughtered um, is a very very important tool uh, in our arsenal for detecting scrapie. Just a little bit of history. It's been around. It's uh, quite a quite an disease has been uh, reported first described uh, in the UK, 1732, first report case in Canada was 1938, became reportable um, in 1945. We officially um, developed a scrapie eradication program in 2005. And our goal is to be scrapey free. So much like Erin um, was uh, talking about breeding for genetic resistance over time, uh, our goal to be scrapey free is a goal that we achieve over and number of years um, over time and what we want to do is just keep moving um, in the right direction. Importance of scrapy control. So, not every country in the world is recognized to have scrapy, and so what that means, because we don't recognize it, everybody has it, is that it is a barrier um, to trade. Uh, and so, um, for us specifically here in Canada, it is a current barrier to export with certain trading partners. Uh, we have uh, our common uh, trading partners in the U.S. and uh, European Union that are engaged in eradication, and by volume, they um, have you know more numbers and more samples um, over time. They're also ahead of us um, in their path uh, to eradication. Uh, Animal welfare, as you can imagine, this uh, is a really tragic uh, disease if uh, you have it in your herd. And so animal welfare um, is a very important reason um, to control scrapie. Environmental accumulation, um, as I mentioned, um, because we, have this problem with environmental persistence. Uh, you know, we want to try to uh, find all of the scrapey positive farms and clean uh, this out as much as we can to help prevent future problems. Um, and then, you know, scrapey is not currently known as a human health risk, um, but the challenge with these transmissible spongiform encephalopathies um, is we can get things like strain mutation um, and. Uh, there's just also a lot of things we don't know. Humans live a long time. And so we have a lot of long term um, research and information that's going on. So while it's not known to be a human health risk, um, that is always in the back of our mind because it is part of a family um, of diseases in which um, humans have, have been impacted. So just a quick um, summary of uh, some of the cases of goat scrapey in Canada. Our biggest challenge, I just want to highlight in this slide and the next, is that we have very little surveillance in mature goats. A couple of challenges with that um, uh, is that um, goats do not officially have um, identification yet. We do have voluntary ID, which I'll talk a little bit later. uh, And it's in the books um, in our legislation um, to go through, I believe, next year, Um, it's in the books. Um, But without identification and enough surveillance um, in mature goats, which we currently do not have, it's very difficult to get a clear idea of the prevalence of goat in Canada. And until we have that information and we are able to find all the remaining cases and stamp them out, we will not be able um, to uh, declare ourselves free of scraping. Uh, and so I just want to draw attention to two sort of niduses of infection um, in recent years. 23 to 20 2013-2015. Um, first diagnosis of an infected goat herd. Uh, official diagnosis of an infected goat herd in Canada. Uh, What we found um, is that several, um, so in this case, seven infected premises were found as a part of our trace out investigation. So when we looked at the animals that were moving on and off of this farm, um, and we did our investigation, we found, is that um, there are several other friends who were impacted. Same um, idea, like there was one uh, herd here in 2016 in Ontario. Um, and then in 2017, 2018, um, same idea, we had the index herd, which is in Manitoba. Uh, and then um, from doing our tracing investigation, we found uh, several other herds. Um, 2018 there are two herds um, together linked um, the way we do our epidemiological investigations you know there's the farm um, where the positive animal lived and then we also look um, at the birth farm um, for that animal In 2019 there were two positive uh, flocks there were sheep flocks there were no positive herds in 2020 or 2021 2021 to date. Um, But our surveillance numbers have been down significantly um, since COVID-19, especially in Ontario, where the largest amount of small animals um, either live or are slaughtered here in Canada. So um, I'm just gonna sort of shift uh, into um, control uh, now one of our biggest tools for finding scrapie in order for us to be able um, to eradicate it is our surveillance plan Uh, and since i've taken over the file i've sort of taken a look at the direction um, we need to go and there are two main areas i've in a project with um, our internal uh, epidemiologists um, to uh, ramp up our surveillance in these areas over the next uh, five years. Uh, So if we need to, if we're going to eradicate scraping from Canada, we must find any remaining pockets of disease. Um, And then because our goal is eradication or stepping out, we need to completely clean um, up the farms. Uh, So uh, the two main areas that we still um, are missing adequate samples, in not only just to be confident that we found the disease also um, to show this information of adequate sampling scientifically justifiably um, information to our training partners in the oie uh, as well as the international um, organization for animal health Uh, we need to show that we have done adequate sampling in all um, populations necessary to be confident um, that we aren't going to export uh, a screen positive animal uh, and so two main areas are um, to target certain geographically underrepresented areas of the country uh, we're working on um, gathering all of that data previously so for where we've sampled where the positive cases have been where the abattoirs are um, so that we can um, target getting samples from um, farms in all areas of Canada. And the second piece um, that's most relevant to everyone here um, on this call uh, is, like I said, we have a huge shortage of information um, in goat samples. Uh, And so we are um, planning on increasing our mature goat surveillance. And so when I say mature goats, um, this is a really important distinction. um, In order to be able to test reliably for Screepy, we need to test uh, animals uh, that are 12 months and older. These are clinically normal um, animals or on-farm deaths. And so we really need to ramp that up um, in the next uh, several years. So we're working on, uh, as I mentioned, um, past surveillance data, mapping it out, abattoir locations um, and one of the other pieces in which I really appreciated uh, Aaron uh, and Marlene inviting me um, for this talk is that uh, it's really important to me um, to work um, on doing some outreach I'm getting to know um, the various uh, sectors of the goat uh, industry um, in Canada, goat producers, um, and us finding ways um, to get into the abattoirs and collect more of those mature goat samples. Um, and when you have an animal that dies on farm, we have a national surveillance program. Um, so, you know, at uh, no cost to you, the CFA is either able to, you know, come out to your farm as logistically feasible to pick up the sample um, and bring it in for screepy testing, um, testing the heads that um, uh, bring the brain and lymph node. Um, or, you know, you can call your local district office, you can drop off, um, either the head or the carcass of an animal that dies, depending on what arrangement um, you make with them. Um, we can expect, so along with this, we want to find the missing cases of Screepy because until we do that um, and do our tracing investigations, we won't have found all the cases um, in order to be able to move towards eradication. So. We can all expect, although we haven't had cases last year due to COVID um, and haven't had any so far this year, we can expect the case numbers to go up um, as we want to find the remaining cases in Canada um, and stamp them out over time so that we can be declared scrapey free. Um, And so that is our goal. We want to find the remaining cases. So don't be surprised um, if those numbers do uh, go up for the next few years. So I'm just going to really touch on um, as far as our disease control actions on a scrape-infected premises, um, what's really relevant um, to my talk today. Um, when we have a positive herd, our current policy um, is to um, destroy infected and at-risk animals. And so in sheep, um, we've had the tool to help determine risk of genotyping. So um, we have been destroying um, the susceptible sheep. Um, and the resistant um, sheep have not been destroyed. We have not had the same um, information. Um, and, you know, we still don't. We have some improved uh, information on resistance in goats, which I'll share um, shortly. So, our current policy, our official policy, is herd, complete herd destruction. And then um, we do um, post mortar post-mortem scrapie testing, because currently that is the only reliable way um, to know if an individual animal is positive or negative for scrapie, and then of course when your animals are ordered destroyed, um, there is compensation um, from the government. Uh, I won't go into too much detail um, on this slide, but basically in order to test, um, do genotype testing for scrapie, we currently use a blood test. And so we have this chart, this very clear um, linkage of susceptibility for um, the two genotypes um, at 136 and 171 in sheep. Um, in North America, we haven't had uh, our, our uh, sheep um, test positive uh, for scrapie. In Canada, we've not had an AAQR uh, sheep, which so the inter- um, very low um, risk level um, come up positive to date. This is just a picture of uh, practically on farm um, how our current policy in sheep um, would work. We've genotyped them and so we've labeled there with the blue spray paint the susceptible sheep, the ones we ordered destroyed, and the ones with the orange um, marks, the, the orange paint, are uh, the resistant sheep would remain um, on premises and would continue our, you know, cleaning and disinfection plan, that sort of thing. So, what do we know about scrapie genotypes in goats? Um, in recent years, there's been convincing evidence um, from North America and European studies that there is genetic resistance for scrapie in goats. Um, based on the data, um, goats having a single copy of either one S one hundred and forty six, so serine at position one hundred and forty six, or K twenty two, that's lysine, have shown a strong degree of scrapie resistance to natural infection with classical scrapie. Um, other alleles such as Q two eleven they've been studied in Europe um, and other countries, uh, but at this time there isn't enough evidence to use them as regulatory purposes. For regulatory purposes, as always, though you know there's always research ongoing. Um, we're always um, paying attention and analyzing um, that research. We are, scientists are always um, in contact with other researchers around the world, especially with our trading partners um, in U.S. and Europe who. Um, are doing work on this as well and you know we're always paying attention um, as new information unfolds. Um, So, just a little bit about some of the information um, Dr. Mitchell at our OA reference lab has collected over um, the last several years on these alleles in Canadian goat breeds. So, S146 is the most common um, allele for scraper resistance found in meat breeds, some such as boar and savannah, as well as Nubian uh, dairy goats. Uh, The K222 allele has been found less often in goats tested up to now, um, mainly in Toggenberg herds and these alleles are most likely to be found in other breeds in Canada, um, just as we're able to type genotype more goats. Internationally, um, here's what we've seen and you know, as we know, um, there is some information that carries over and crosses over internationally and some of it a lot of it depends on our own use and our own populations. We have different variants, that sort of thing, um, of disease in different areas of the world. But this is what we found um, internationally. So allele S146 has been found in meat and dairy breeds, uh, including Borne, Nubian, Alpine, sunin uh, and La Mancha. Um, the K22 allele appeared most often in dairy breeds. And so um, Toggenberg, La Mancha, Sonin, and Alpine. How does this apply to the goat industry? Um, So at this time, uh, in line with our trading partners, we've had of course these discussions um, behind the scenes in our work with them. Um, In line with the US, uh, we are most closely aligned with them as um, trading partners, currently, the CFI recommends focusing on alleles S146 and K22 uh, while writing for resistance in votes. And again, that is in line with the latest international information we have, as well as our domestic experience. We are happy to announce that in Canada, um, there are now uh, genotyping services available for DNA testing at these two alleles, um, available through GoatGen or Animal Health Laboratory. If you'd like more information about that, um, we do um, have a public notice with links uh, to their website. So that can be made available um, through uh, Marlene or Erin, if you would like that information, Uh, I can send a link um, to that release. Um, And so, I'm most definitely, although I am a veterinarian and not uh, an expert uh, in breeding programs, uh, but I did just want to make this point while I'm here, you know, at this point, um, based on the information we have on genotyping, ghost producers may use genotyping as part of their selective breeding programs and for individual herd management decisions. Um, So at this time, you know, the genotyping results um, for external laboratories, are not considered official if we have, um, you know, positive herd we would have to do our own testing um, through the cfia during um, a disease response um, but certainly they can be used for breeding programs in your individual herd management the thing i wanted to mention here and i really appreciated aaron's point about breeding um and you getting your progress over time. Just that it doesn't have to be all or nothing. I mean, certainly when you breed for scrapie resistance, it's going to um, also depend on your overall goals, right, for your for your business. Um, and just that it doesn't have to be all or nothing. So you can look at confirmation, production traits, reproduction, um, and scrapie resistance. And again, whatever your goals are, you can look um, at making progress in your herd over time. And so um, next steps, Uh, I just wrap up by talking about some of the work we're doing at CFIA as far as a pilot project, Uh, what we wanna understand, uh, we're in, this is under development, so I don't have a lot of details. Um, Of course, I work in the policy and programs branch um, and we need to work with our colleagues in science and primarily our operations branch who would uh, carry out uh, the pilot project on farm uh, when we have an eligible herd. And so the pilot project will apply to positive goat herds. So, first, we need to find some positive goat herds, um, and um, we'll then see if they're eligible um, and hopefully they can participate uh, in a pilot project. And what we want to look at is assessing an alternate uh, disease control pathway from our standard disease control procedures, which is total um, herd destruction currently, um, if we have positive goat herd involving genotyping along with other tools that we have available at our uh, disposal. So what we're going to look at is an alternative to the current whole herd destruction in positive goats and assess if um, that is adequate to um, eradicate Screepy on that farm. Because just remember, we are trying to eliminate scrapey from the country. So um, what we need to understand, you know, I showed you that chart and it had very clear ranges of um, categories of susceptibility. We don't have that yet for goats. So we don't understand how susceptible they are are um, depending on the genotypes as well as like how contaminated is the environment Um, what is the prevalence in the herd do we have a highly infected herd what impact um, do the genetics of animals um, and the herd have as compared to um, how infected the herd is so those are things we have a much clearer understanding of in sheep we do not have that information yet in goats and that's what we hope to accomplish um, it would be nice if we could eventually have a chart like that, so we have a clear delineation of, you know, what genotypes or um, what animals are susceptible, have a low risk, um, or are highly at risk of contracting scrapy. So why a pilot project? Um, You know, based on the internationally accepted data and us having enough Canadian data now, uh, we can look at using scrapey resistant genotypes to triage um, goats in our disease response, similar to the way we explored this in sheep. Uh, Other scrapey affected countries have explored these sorts of deviations from their standard programs in recognition of new information. And it has been specifically related to alleles S146 and K222. So any derogation, which means any deviation from our standard program, which is the current um, total herd destruction would adhere to these following principles, um, that the health of our national flock is not compromised. So we have to remember first and foremost, our goal is to eradicate screepie in Canada. So we do not want to leave um, infected animals or infected farms behind. Um, the welfare of goats on scrapey infected premises, we have to make sure that it is not compromised. Um, And again, it comes back to uh, us um, being confident um, that the actions we take are still in line with the goal of eradication and we don't leave behind any infected animals or farms. Uh, As producers, um, how can you help to eradicate scrapey? Here are a few ways. Um, very, very important, in order for us to test um, animals, one of the things that's going to help us trace that positive animal back is we need to be able to identify them. Um, so while a national a mandatory national ID isn't in place, is unfortunately delayed due to COVID. It was supposed to be on the books um, for uh, this year. I think it will be next year now. But in the meantime, um, there is a list of pre-approved identifiers. Um, Uh, And you know, the government is open um, to uh, members of the goat industry um, doing tag trials, that sort of thing. I'm ongoing to continue to um, add to that list to find ID um, identification solutions um, that will work well um, for your industry. Uh, But at this point um, it is voluntary and we encourage as many producers as you can to voluntarily identify your animals. And along with that, um, to have uh, as many brains and lymph nodes of mature goats, so greater than 12 months tested, um, that die or are, that die on farm or are slaughtered. One of the challenges we have, I'll just share this as a little bit of a side note, um, and I'm not sure exactly where the problem lies, so I'm definitely following up on the abattoir side, is that when we get the reporting of the few goats and kids In the grand scheme of things um, that are slaughtered in Canada, we don't get differentiation of how many were mature versus kids. And so we can't use that data. um, Because what we're looking at is the pool of eligible animals to be scrappy tested and they need to be 12 months or older um, in, you know, non clinical animals for us to be confident. in, you know, in the the test results. So one thing you can do as a producer uh, is to uh, indicate your animal's age um, when the intake is there and request that that information is um, shared on the submission form. And like I said, from my end, I'm following up um, through CFA and the abattoirs um, to try to have better differentiation um, when animals are slaughtered, whether they're mature or Animals. Um, You know, I I won't add anything to um, the great um, uh, presentation that uh, Marlene and Aaron did, um, but definitely, you know, looking at reducing inbreeding um, and incorporating, uh, along with your other goals, um, scrapey genotyping into your selective breeding programs over time. And the other piece is to join um, the scrapey flock certification program or. Um, to help manage the risk in your herd by goats um, from producers on the Scrapey flock Certification Program. That's all I have. We have a few minutes for questions. Um, feel free to either put your hand up or pose a question in the chat. I can't see everyone, so I'm going to rely on um, Marlene and Erin and uh, Oshi to uh, share any questions with me. Yeah, thanks.
0: Thanks, Amanda. That was uh, that was great uh, overview in terms of uh, scrapies uh, in, in Canada.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you, Amanda.
1: Take care.